You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, listeners. You're listening to Very Loose Women, not live on Resonance 104.4 FM, but recorded in lockdown from Nikki's house. I am Nikki, and I'm joined today by Camilla Millie Harding. Hi, Millie. Hello. Um, we're going to be chatting about Millie's show, Mad Woman, and lots of other things. But can you start by telling me a little bit more about you? Yes. Uh, hello. My name's uh, Millie, and I am a writer, performer, drag artist, something in between all three. Um, I make a lot of work about queerness, and um, I'm an openly biracial, uh, bisexual, um, yeah, queer performer and artist who likes to poke fun at the establishment and celebrate all things queer. Amazing. That was a really fantastic description. A lot of stuff in there. So can you tell me a bit more about Mad Woman? What Mad Woman is? How it started? Yeah, so Mad Woman in the Attic is uh, the full title. Mad Woman spelt with an X. Um, Mad Woman X. (laughs) (laughs) And it uh, started uh, as... um, Mad Woman started as a character when I was um, rehearsing and performing with a queer clown collective called The Femmes. And we did a workshop about archetypes. And... I we went through the usual like mother, um, daughter, um, heroine, all of the usual all ones. All the standard. All peaks. of the standard <laughs> things. And then I was like, what about Mad Woman in the Attic? The the yeah, female who's locked away uh for being slightly more than society can handle or sees as fitting into a particular mould or box. And um that chimed a lot with me personally and my own experience of um, mental health and physical um, illness and uh, Madeline was kind of born from that as a reaction to the historically um, written by men about women and um, their idea of what madness is. And so I took that character around with it and then ended up um, with this idea for a show where I would challenge that idea and play this mad woman and also weave in my own personal narrative of, um, yeah, when I was very ill over a decade ago and how I experienced the, um, yeah, being um, in hospital and, yeah, my experience of the mental health institution and Uh, That sounds amazing. Can you talk a bit more about the process of making the show? Yes. So part of the process, I wrote a lot from my own experience, but I also felt that it was really important to um, get other voices in there and connect with other people and um, other friends and people I'd never met before who had experienced um, being bedbound, also had experience of kind of um yeah mental health and illness and also um those who might be more isolated in society because of that 
So I did what I called mad chats with various groups of people. I generally went for those who identified as um, either queer, female, yeah, queer or female, and or non-binary. And we had lots of really interesting discussions about uh, gender and how that um, changes your experience of um, of going through yeah, the institution of health, health institution. I don't know what the word is that I keep wanting to Yeah, I'm say. not sure either. Health system. Health system, healthcare system? Healthcare system. Healthcare system, yeah, let's that's go the with word. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so how gen- gender changes that, how um, your experience with anger and um, how you experience emotions and how you express those as well and also this idea of community and community care and the narrative that's i know that i've definitely uh, been fed of that it's all on you and you will Mm. either you know survive or fail but yeah pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and yeah that's it at the end of the day so um this idea of what um yeah, who we are and what we are as a society, you're only as strong as those around you and those you're helping. Mm. And was that a common theme that came out of the mad chats as well? I think a lot of really interesting themes came out. Um, There was a lot of anger and a lot of not feeling heard or feeling seen. Um, And that definitely linked into it, this idea of historically as well that those who are deemed unfit in um, inverted commas unfit for society or not fitting into a particular role or mold of how people should be are locked away or um, brushed under the carpet or killed Mm. (laughs) And, and that obviously being very angry making and being really painful to experience and live through Mm. um especially when it might be against your will or for some people people are sectioned by family members or Mm. yeah that that is also traumatic as well as going through trauma yourself Mm. so so there's a sense of like a lot of things like being suppressed like anger having to be suppressed and like people not being allowed to be who they are because of these societal expectations of what is normal. And like we think of that, like Mad Woman in the Attic and stuff like that of some, as something that's past, but actually it's not, it's still happening most, now, that kind of attitude. Most definitely, yeah. I think it's this, this interesting, oh, that all happened in the past. And a lot of the research I was looking into were women who were um, unmarried out of wedlock having children and that was enough to kind of get them sent to a mental hospital, a mental institution, and how a lot of people, oh, well, that was just back then, we're completely different now. And actually, no, the narrative hasn't changed, it's just morphed into something else. Mm. And yeah, trying to unpick that was very much part of my own process of uh, self-care and healing, of Mm. trying to figure out my own narrative and my own story. 
and understand the world, but also, yeah, making those connections with other, others of like, I'm not alone in feeling this, mm. and neither are you, and that leading to community as well, like community care of, I see you, and I feel yeah. you, and even if I don't understand you, I can still empathise or hold that space for you, mm. and that being really important. Yeah, and do you think that kind of empathy and understanding is part of what's lacking in the healthcare system or the systems that you experienced and other people that you spoke to? I think any institution at the end of the day if you're trying to you're trying to get things done and mould people or help people in a very prescriptive way that's always going to happen because people can't be put into boxes and we're not robots and not everyone is going to react to the same things in the same way so it's a bit of acknowledging that and personally the doctors that I've respected most and felt some connection with or felt most care from have been those that have said look there's just more that we don't understand this is going on here this is what we can what we learn but actually I don't know how to help you mm. or what do you need and that being actually very rare Mm. it's usually like well we've done all of these tests and all of this and we don't know what's going on so I'm going to assume this this and this about you yeah that's really mad isn't it that that any other person could assume that just because they have a certain like knowledge or skill set that they know more than you do about what's actually happening in your mind or body and I get that that you know sometimes you don't know what's going Mm. on and it's that's makes it all the more scary and sometimes you just need someone to be like it is scary Mm. and not be like well I'm just gonna rub salt into the wound of well it's scary and I'm gonna make it scarier by telling you that it might be this this or this Mm. um yeah and I think it links a lot to how how we're educated as well like there is that um yeah I think you're trained to see um through the cis white male experience Mm. of health what is healthy and what is normal and what is acceptable Mm. and if you don't experience it like that then yeah there are so many intersections that then make it so much harder to access yeah absolutely and especially because all the all the research is focused around cis white men, then how can you then use that and apply it to people that don't fit into that category? It's yeah, <laughs> wild wild <It> ride. Really <laughs> so I want to know a bit more about um, Mad Woman as a show mm-hmm. and the first time that you performed it. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes. So Mad Woman in the Attic. Uh, was part of the Otherland queer season at the Tristan Bates Theatre. Ooh, this time last year? Might have been a few years ago. <laughs> my time, my sense of time has completely uh, disappeared, like I'm sure most people's have. At some point in this millennium. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it was a work in progress showing, three nights, and um, I kind of collated all of my research and all of my writing and the format of the show was um, me using a deck of tarot cards and doing a tarot card reading for an audience member before each show and the cards they chose 
then um, link to what show they saw. So every tarot card had a, a piece of writing or a monologue or a scene or a movement piece or a song or a lip sync and the audience basically created the show which was which meant that every night was different so you could have come and seen every different every show and seen something different one night it was completely all movement so it was just an hour of me moving and dancing which was I'm not a dancer <laughs> um so that was interesting and challenging um and one night I think it was the first night the narrative basically fell into how I would have loved to have told the story anyway um and how I was considering telling it so mm. yeah it's very interesting leaving that up to fate yeah how did that feel to kind of leave that so open um really scary but but that was kind of the reason that I built it into the process um I'm very much a perfectionist and leaving things and letting go of things and being like this is out of my hands I can't control this has been a big life lesson for me so I was doing as much as I could in the process of writing and making the show to remind myself that this is a work in progress it doesn't have to be perfect nothing is perfect nothing is finished all you can do is do what you can with what you've got in front of you so it was very much a definite thing for me to be like, right, this is out of my hands. I'm giving it over to you. I'm giving it over to fate, but also giving it over to the people in the room and mm. the collective that are experiencing it. Because that's what I love about live theatre and what I think we're missing a lot right now. Yeah. Of connection with people. That's, the, that's why I make theatre. That's yeah. yeah what I want. I want to be there in a room with you and experience something together because without that audience and without mm. that connection what's the point <laughs> definitely well that brings me on to thinking about the time that we're living through now and obviously mad woman a lot of it was about being isolated and being bedbound and that feels like very pertinent in the in the corona crisis <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah do you have any thoughts on that yeah, so the backstory, my own backstory, is that I was bedbound for a year and um, it was over a decade ago. So we didn't have all of this fantastic technology and internet connection that we have now. Um, people sent me packages. I don't remember a lot about the year personally. Um, and I didn't really have any visitors. And... Um, yeah, I, I didn't have enough strength. I think even if I had had social media, I don't think I would have had enough strength to connect through that. So it's very weird experiencing kind of isolation now, a decade later, when I kind of lived through it previously without all of these connections. Um, and it's also very interesting to see people who may have never felt isolated or excluded from society now living with it or or realizing that it's a thing i think it's kind of a travesty that it's taken a global pandemic for people to to empathize with chronic those who are chronically ill 
Um, I think that it's in some ways proven that those who are disabled and have been calling for the ability to work from home, it, we've proven that it can be done. And so all of these things that people have been saying have been impossible previously, it's like, no, it just you just needed the people in power to listen yeah. and <laughs> put these structures into place because, yeah. So it's a very, yeah, very bizarre time right now. But it's also throwing up a lot of things that have been needed. And also the pessimist in me is being like, what's it hiding under the carpet? Mm. What's being put through that's going to clamp down on this further in the future? But Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like it's a shame because I feel like we really need Mad Woman now. Like, <laughs> I would have loved to see the show at this point, but... Well, it was gonna. Yeah. It was. I was gonna show as part of um, Teddy Lamb's takeover at the Bunker Theatre, right before, kind of a week before lockdown happened. It was um, being programmed for yeah, the Transcendent Theatre PowerShare at the Bunker, and it was very, very bizarre making a show about social isolation when this was just kicking off and people were very scared and. Um, yeah, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, yeah. So hopefully one day Mad Woman will rise again, maybe in a different form. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely not over Zoom. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I mean, it would be an interesting, an interesting experiment, artistic experiment to Mad Woman through the keyhole of Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And my, so one of my, I want funding to basically make Mad Woman accessible for those who can't get to the theatre and mm. connect in person. Um, and that's something that has also been thrown up um, during this time. And yeah, I'm looking for funding basically to um, bring Mad Woman, I kind of want 360 technology to film it and so you can experience it from your bed and can have a tarot card reading um, on the wow. screen and choose your own kind of narrative. And either leave it up to fate and let Mad Woman tell you her story or, um, yeah, pick your own, have a tarot card reading online and then that to be seen through the screen. So um, That sounds incredible. Yeah, there's not, the in-person connection is not just, that's why I make theatre, but making it accessible and experiencing it if you can't get into the theatre mm. I think really 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 important and yeah something that now people are being oh we can't go to the theatre we can't meet in large groups what are we going to do there are still artists out there making work and putting it out there for free yeah and because it's really needed right now yeah and hopefully people will realise that to pay artists for their work because mm. it's a valuable contribution to society especially right now yeah that brings me on to another thing that I wanted to ask actually about kind of your observations about the situation that we're in now and art and creativity and what's going on with the artists <laughs> <laughs> every artist that's out of a job which is probably 99% um, we're still here, we're still making art that's how we make sense of the world um, but it's also, I think, thrown up this thing of 
everyone is an artist and everyone is creative and I think humans need that outlet and it's been very interesting seeing on social media I've been kind of connecting to two narratives of those who are making art for art's sake because that's how they experience or express and that's how they make sense of the world and I definitely like chime with that personally and also those who are making art as a product or making it to be sold to be seen to be consumed and that tension of yeah of capitalism basically being making you feel worthless if you're not producing or only as valuable as how much you're producing and rest not being valued and not being made space there's no space for that Mm. because yeah yeah that's such an important thing to think about I think I've been thinking about things like that as well about kind of what kind of work is valued and obviously this is a really really awful time for a lot of people and that's partly because of of well almost all because of (laughs) capitalism and the way in which the world is structured but it also is a little bit of a a glimpse into what the world could be like if we didn't have so much pressure on us and how art could just yeah be something that's valued for its own sake and like you say people not having to kind of prove their productivity or prove their value or their worth all the time and it's definitely something that we need to think about like not just in terms of art but Mm. like other work like caring responsibilities Mm -hmm. and caring roles and things like that and yeah and I think activism as well of so many activists I know just burning out because Mm. you've got to keep helping you've got to keep doing or you've got to keep being useful yeah and if you're not being useful then who are you yeah and where is the value in literally just existing where is the value there is a human on the street they have value not just because of something that Mm. they might do or not do like that and us forgetting that yeah definitely I'm trying to like remind myself of that because it's so there's just such a just you get so used to just like constantly like striving for something like whether it's yeah to be useful to create something to just yeah just not just be it's so difficult just to like yeah be I think that value in being links very nicely into um, a section that I'd love to share with you if you would like to listen. Um, Definitely. Um, from Madeline in the Attic called um, A Love Letter to All Those That Couldn't Be Here to Those Still in Bed. Dear friends, comrades in arms, those I've never met, hello. I won't ask how you are because I know language is impossible. Impossible to express just how you're feeling, if feeling is even the word. I want to start by telling you that your worth, your beauty, your sanity is not dependent on anything or anyone. As much of a burden, stressor or useless entity you may feel, you are worthy. Worthy of care, love and attention. Your worth is not dependent on how productive, useful or valuable you believe yourself to be. You are worthy because you are. You exist. You are here. And that is enough. That is wondrous. 
you are literally defying all the odds, all the signs, all the pain and fear and unknown. You are here and you are surviving. And I know living is not the same as surviving. I have no idea how long you have made a survival of living, but know that there is value in that, in your very existence. I've been trying to think what I would have wanted to hear when I felt completely alone and terrified, unable to move and do much of anything. I remember taking it one day at a time, sometimes one minute at a time, often one second. I remember making friends with my breath. I remember recalling and imagining so many things, things I'd worried I'd forget the feeling of if I were held hostage by my bed forever. I remember pleading with a god I didn't believe in to take me now because I didn't want to live anymore if living meant surviving like this. But I'm glad that didn't happen. And I'm glad you're still here. Ultimately, I know that no words are going to help. No story of mine or anyone else's is going to make the impossible possible. Nothing I do on this stage will make it better. But I'm hoping this raises awareness, raises money, raises belief in our stories, our pain, our lives. The rest, we'll see. One thing I'm sure of is that nothing can be, be achieved alone, no matter how much you believe in it. So thank you. Thank you for being you and thank you for joining me. And I thank every story, every tear and every hand that has made this possible. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Millie, for joining us on the show. Thank you for having um, me. If our listeners want to find out more about you or your work, what should they do? Uh, you can search, find me on social media. Come and say hi. Um, at this is Millie underscore H is my Instagram handle and my Twitter. Um, if you search Camilla Harding, actor, theatre maker. Um, I've got a website that I need to update, but hey, I've got all of the time in the world now. So yeah, probably Instagram or yeah, best. Great. Thank you so much. That's been a really great conversation. You. And you've been listening to Very Loose Women, not live on Resonance 104.4 FM, but pre-recorded from Nikki's house. I hope you enjoyed this episode and hope you're all hanging in there in these strange times. If you're a bit bored, why not go back and listen to some of our previous episodes? We've got a great interview with the English Collective of Prostitutes and chats on all kinds of things from sex to pets. Our podcast is acast.com slash women and we're on Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify too. You can follow us on Twitter at VOW Radio and we're at VOW Radio on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>